This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Motor Auctions. Has your car shit itself? Then you've got to go with Alliance. It's the easiest way to buy a quality car at a very competitive price. Located in Moorbank, New South Wales. Call 02-9822-7200 or visit www.allianceauctions.com.au South Coast Window Furnishings. Have your window furnishings shit themselves? Then you've got to get in touch with SCWF. They service the south coast of New South Wales from Wollongong to Bermagui. Give Jamie a call for a free quote on 0408 812 007 or like them on Facebook at South Coast Window Furnishings. Elite Sports Physiotherapy. Has your back or another part of your body shit itself? Then look no further than ESP. Established in 2006, Elite Sports Physiotherapy provides physiotherapy and massage services to the people of Melbourne. Located on the mezzanine level, 13-15-1 Freshwater Place in Southbank, Melbourne. Give them a call on 03-8640-0328 or visit elitesportsphysio.com.au today. Also, special thanks to verse.com.au for putting the finishing touches on this podcast. Cheers. G'day there. Hope you're well. This is the first episode of my 2019 Edinburgh Fringe editions of Taking It Easy. My guest this week is Canadian stand-up comedian John Hastings. Big John come round for a chat. Uh, he told me some fascinating things, how he was born three months premature, how he once weighed 350 pounds, and what life was like for him as a young man in Canada. This is Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. John Hastings, thanks for taking it easy with me today. How are you? I'm feeling great. I'm wearing thongs because you're Australians. With socks, though. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's yeah. not the best look, I got to tell you. No. I was wearing socks inside. I came out to get you. Have a dart. Have a dart. You look full. We call bogan in Australia. Oh, I ser- oh Metallica shirt. Metallica torn shirt. Jeans. jeans. Oh, if I had Flip-flops. A, a nice mixed tin of alcohol and Coca-Cola. <laughs> Only Australia, I find, sells the amount of like just bourbon and Cokes, just not name brand cola, not name brand bourbon. Yeah. Have yourself. We love that. You love it. I grew up on that stuff. I mean, well, obviously from about 15, not from any younger, but... Um, that's I, that's a pretty good start drinking illegally age. Yeah. yeah. Pretty standard in, in Australia, 15, I would yeah. say. I started a bit late. I was like 16, 17. Right. But is Canada 21 or 18? Canada's 19 in some parts and 19. 18 in other okay. parts. So I grew up in Ottawa, which is across the river from Quebec, which is where mm-hmm. it's 18. And it's really like, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> and all of the equivalent of like sort of bottlers or off licenses, which are called depeneurs in Quebec, they were literally just on the border right across all the bridges. There was just rows of them mm. that all were Tempting. basically taking turns being the one that you could just, we don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. We gotta make you money. Oh, they made so much money. The one there was one called Le, Ro- Le Roi de Beer, <laughs> the Beer King, <laughs> that it must be doing something illegal because they would literally sell. I've never bought booze cheaper in my life. Right, like twenty four beers for twenty bucks, and we're like twenty twenty four Coronas, like a delightful. It's a, yeah, it's a front for something. So absolutely. Yeah. What would it be for over there? What would be the? It would probably like maple syrup, illegal maple syrup, or you can't make illegal maple syrup. That's strictly <laughs> controlled by. 
a government body and you, no, think, I'm, you think I'm joking. It's so crazy. It's, really? All the maple trees go away. We have the Canada has enough maple syrup for like 200 years. No shit. I'm dead, deadly. So there was a giant maple syrup heist where they got two or three barrels and it was the equivalent of like $4 million. <laughs> It's like a strictly controlled industry. Like you know how like the can it last that long though? It can because it if it's in the correct environment, yeah. frozen, it doesn't rust the barrels. It just literally preser- it's so fucking crazy. Wow! And there is literally a commission and a government body that controls maple syrup, like the De Beers control diamonds. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. It's so embarrassing. It's like oh what. Are, what is your regulatory body doing in Australia? We're making sure that the mines are, you know, they're not over mining minerals. Canada, making sure we have enough maple syrup for an <laughs> apocalyptic event. Have you had it straight out of the tree before? I've had it basically straight out of the tree. Yeah, and like, is it better than they do, anything you've had before? They have before? to do something like they they boil. There's a separating that mm-hmm. they do to get you the actual syrup that I don't truly understand. But there is like a one step. And then I've had it right after that. If you go to Canada in the winter, you can go to what's called a sugar shack mm-hmm. and you see how the maple syrup is made. And then you sit down to the most insane breakfast you've ever oh. had in your life. Would you put it on everything or just pancakes? You got to go pancakes. Yeah. I would put it on bacon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's. And do you put the bacon in between the pancake and eat it? I mean, I have not done that, but I'm definitely yeah. doing that from now on. That's a brilliant move. Uh, I will also, depending on the sausage, I'll dip the sausage in there. Oh, yeah. you're right. You wouldn't want like a chivey, herby sausage. Exactly correct. If you, you just want, want a plain Plain pork. Jane, the smaller, mm. what I like to call sausages from the 90s. Remember, like there was a year where sausages <laughs> just got like, they got chives in them, apple cores, all that <laughs> yeah. sort of stuff. I'm talking like where it was literally just like a snout wrapped in what could have been <laughs> paper casings. Yeah. Pop that on your plate. <laughs> it's currently Monday, lunchtime. It is Monday lunchtime. We sit in Edinburgh, Scotland. We certainly do. Country, Scotland. Country of Scotland. Great place. City of Edinburgh. You've just risen from your sleep, sleepy poos. Uh, had a, a nice sleepy poo. Yeah. How was your sleepy poo? Pretty good. I but assume you went to bed much earlier. Earlier than this. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. You've just come off uh, another, probably a night of a few shows, last night here at Edinburgh Fringe. Correct, Mundo. You have probably the busiest schedule I've seen of any comedian at Edinburgh Fringe and also the craziest hours of anybody. Um, what time do you generally get to bed for anywhere, the month of Fringe? Anywhere between 3.25 and <laughs> 6 a.m. <laughs> no earlier. No earlier. Yeah. Because I'm hosting a show that doesn't end till 3, yeah. at least three nights a week. <laughs> and it always ends up someone cancels, so I do more. And you'd be awake anyway, I guess. If, so you have you... to reset your schedule to that anyway. Mm. And then this year especially, a lot of people were dropping late shows it was a weird reaction. A lot of people's shows weren't going well, so they knew they were losing money on shows, so they dropped out of late shows. And I always make it clear, I will take those extra gigs. Yeah. Because I... Love cash. I love cash, and I'm also aware <laughs> that what we're doing here is we're trying to make as much money as possible to pay back the debt we incur from doing the festival. Yeah, yeah. And if you move quickly, you can make that debt back pretty easily. Yeah. And so, hope that you don't get rolled. Why? Don't get rolled. I did, An Australian guy that's come over to record a podcast. I mean, that yeah. would be. I would. I have thought about it. I mean, based on the <laughs> amount of cash I've made this month and how much I do need it for my life, it's like you, you're going to have to just kill. <laughs> there was one day where I had two. Um, I had a lot of money on my person mm. in small bills, and I'm like, if 
anyone just fig- just does the math of where they've seen my name. <laughs> if they've wrought, they are in for an absolute treat. <laughs> and I'm not even smart. Like I'll just not think to like move my bag. Like I'll just yeah. have like. I had a grand and a half in a knapsack, and I wasn't even keeping my eye on it. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and that's pound, too. Yeah. That's right. That's like three and a half thousand. I mean, dollars. it's not anymore. Have you seen what's happened to the pound since we've been here? No. It's dropped drastically. Really? I didn't even pay attention to that. It's at 1.19 to the American dollar currently. Right. When well, that's, I think it'd still be pretty What about Australia? It's, I know it's equivalent to the Canadian dollar, and it's not like the Canadian dollar is like. 20 at when i last looked about a week ago it was 20 cents lower than the pound like it's way Ugh. more on par and you're just like oh no <laughs> right so go on mate people are probably noticing that you've got a canadian accent i certainly do eh uh how you, you fucking doing bad good <laughs> to see uh oh fucking danny connell coming in he's from fucking melbourne mate fucking did you they don't even got a fucking hockey team bro you kind of sounded kind of irish and a little bit Boston there. Well, there's as well. a weird Ottawa. The Ottawa, like you've heard of the comedian Norm Macdonald, yeah. So he has like the really Ottawa Valley, which is where I'm from. I, I Dan Connell, uh, fuck man, you look fuck shorts on yeah. in fucking. It's fucking great, bud. Like that's a very <laughs> Ottawa accent, and then you'll get like the Southern Ontario kind of jockey, like oh fucking buddy, nice to fuck it, fuck me. We're gonna get some fucking beers, bud. <laughs> So you grew up in the Ottawa, I grew up in Ottawa Valley. In the, in the Ottawa Valley, in the capital of Canada, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Right. Uh, in Is West, that, Westboro. Westboro. Is yeah. the neighborhood I grew up in. What sort of neighborhood are we talking? It was like a... Canada is very similar to Australia in that like... Great. It's great. <laughs> it's just... It is really... It was a great place to be a kid because it literally just was like a leafy, weird, green suburb. But it was also weird in that it's Ottawa... So you have, there's no, like there is a class system as there is everywhere, but everyone's just together. Mm. So there was literally like on one side of my neighborhood is literally this row of mansions where diplomats and like people, Mm. I think, making money by stealing from the government live. Alanis Morissette? Alanis Morissette Mm. grew up the next neighborhood over from mine. Shit. Yeah. That's pretty cool. When she got famous, the amount of people that claimed to be her cousin was in... It was at least 15 people. <laughs> but her dad was a very, like, it was Bob Morissette. He was the pr- pr- principal of D-Roy. It was either the principal of D-Roy Kennedy or, Woodru- uh, or um, um, Woodruff Public School. Still active as principal while she was famous? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that yeah. would have been, been, yeah. There were so many, there was one rumor that she bought the penthouse of this big condo in Ottawa that I've never had confirmed or denied. Especially when she was dating Ryan Reynolds, who was also from... The Canada region. Yeah, right. But also, remember, Alanis Morissette was Canada famous for like 10 years before she was Alanis Morissette. Really? She was Alanis. Oh, she was our Alanis. She was... Only you guys have our... Who's the, who is the R in Australia? Our Delta. It's our Delta. But there's... What our the, Kylie? It's our Kylie is <laughs> yeah, what I always hear. Yeah, yeah our Kylie. Yeah, that's the <laughs> funnest Australian thing. Our Kylie, our Olivia, <laughs> our Hugh. Um, yeah, but like Alanis Morissette was just sort of like weird when she got the fourth or fifth best-selling album 
ever. Mm. And it's like, she was a shit pop star that used to be on YTV. Really? Yeah, she was on a kid's show called The Only Show Made. What did she find? A, a, did she write all that herself, didn't she? she? That was the first album she wrote all of herself. All the other ones were songwriters writing ah. for her. And she was like this weird pop star they were really trying to force down everyone's throats. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, she nailed it. Mm-hmm. My friend Andy Balls went to high school with Alanis. No, my friend Andy Ball's friend, Jeff Clobridge, went to high school with So is that Andy Balls or Andy Balls, one word? Andy Balls. His actual name is Andrew Buist. Okay. And um, our friend Bob Walden tried to get his nickname to be Bob Balls. <laughs> and I declared, you can't give yourself a nickname. No, no. So I punished him. And the group were all like, we're giving Andy the nickname Andy Balls. <laughs> And you do not get it. And yeah, he, yeah. he still to this day is not pleased about it. <laughs> Literally an RCMP officer very much could it's, ar- arrest us all. Yeah. Hasn't figured that out. It's the perfect punishment, though, for trying to nickname absolutely. yourself. It should never be allowed. And if you met Andy Under any Balls, circumstance, you'd absolutely, you know, father of f- four or five children, I can't remember, <laughs> has a sword tattoo and works on Hockey Night in Canada as a sound man. Wow. Living the dream. What a life. He, um, he's the personal sound man to Canada's favorite son, Ron McLean. Okay. Any relation to Don McLean? I, no, Don McLean wishes. Ron <laughs> McLean is literally the greatest sports broadcaster of all time. Really? And just likes beers made. That's cool. <laughs> there's so, if you Google Ron McLean, there's just a lot of photos of him shirtless playing air guitar in bars. <laughs> he's, he's the best guy in the world. Um, you mentioned their children. Yeah. want to go back before this period of time where you're nicknaming your mates. When you you were born, you told me this recently. You were born right before the podcast. Right before the podcast began, Mm -hmm. we'll cut that bit out. That (laughs) (laughs) you (laughs) probably leave it in now. Yeah, it's got a good laugh. Um, Three months premature. premature. You were born three months premature. July tenth was supposed to be born. End of September. That is, I three months. Is a long, long time. Was, I didn't realize how crazy it was until I was an adult and started telling people I knew who were doctors, and they were like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah. So basically, the long and the short of it is, my mom had something called placenta previa. I don't know what that is, but it basically was like one day they were like, "That baby's got to come out, or you're all gonna die." Shit. Uh, and so I was born in like a super emergency cesarean section in one of those like observation theaters Mm. because all the medical students like this may be the only time they'll ever see this procedure done yeah there was like a variety of emergency teams all that sort of stuff because they think with premature babies i found out is there's sort of like 400 different ways it can go because it's like there's a thousand different variables of how the body reacts how the baby reacts the baby can be born dead the baby can be born without lungs the baby can be born without a certain organ not working that you Mm. then have to basically jump start yeah and help um, along, yeah. Help along. So there was all these sort of things. And I had none of those problems because I was ginormous for being six, six months, months into wow. existence inside my mum. Wow. So I was three pounds, six ounces, which is tiny. Yeah. But all of the doctors were like, that's saved gonna everyone's be life. Yeah, because really? you're so, that's so big at that time that that moves along the process of things happening. So there's like things like I didn't know how to suck and swallow. I was born without reflexes. I needed assistance breathing. I couldn't, like, there's a bunch of stuff that they have to help along. But mm. the major things, like, one of them is your lungs can be born stuck together. Mm-hmm. And then you're fucked. Right. Then there's yeah. a bunch of things they have to, surgery throughout your life. I didn't have any of those issues. But, yeah, then it was other things like no reflexes they then got to discover as I grew up. 
mm. which made sport very interesting. Right. And because you now, I can't imagine how big you would have been if you went the full term because you're a big guy. Like I would have been like this size, but then there would have just been, there wouldn't have been like, I would have had reflexes. Okay. Like you don't think you would have been a bigger, bigger guy? No, I don't think that, I don't think I would have been six, nine, although that would have been crazy. Mm. Yeah. It would have been good stuff. Great. I think, and I, you, and you, you ended up in a bunch of research yeah, I was in a bunch of research books because they gave me, they gave my mom a medication that was for me that basically is what made my lungs work. Mm-hmm. And they literally were like, we don't know, uh, but you're going to take this because we got to do something. And it worked. And they're like, woo, <laughs> yeah. good stuff. Um, so that research for size matters in premature babies. So they now do things if they encourage the size of the baby. I don't know how they do that, but they will hold off as long as possible based on the weight of the baby within the mother. To deliver the child. So I'm in a bunch of different medical textbooks proving that. Wow. Um, There's also a bunch of research in terms of how ch- uh, babies react to um, sort of how they feed you as they put needles in your head because it's the only place where your veins work when you're that small and that uh, baby. Really? Yeah. So I have a instinctive fear of needles and hospitals. Like yeah. I can't, the smell of hospitals scares the shit out of me. And I wow. think it's because seconds into life they stabbed me in the head head, yeah yeah that is amazing it took me so long to figure it out obviously worked out for the best though it certainly did Mm. yeah i remember because i used to live near a hospital in toronto and the smell would waft into the street and it would like just one time i was feeling a bit low and i started just crying and i was like you need to address why this freaks Mm. the fuck out of you i totally know that smell i can i can smell it now it's the worst that that weird over bleached yeah yeah and um, i asked when i had to have surgery on my broken elbow i just i like chatting to doctors because i just i'm like well i'm terrified let's just ask and i asked mm. like oh this is the thing and he's like yep that's probably what that would be because he's like you're associating all of those things very early on so mm. just create this weird instinctive thing in your body Absolutely. to be like get the fuck, fuck out, out of here yeah, yeah. someone's gonna stab you in the head mate <laughs> um yeah so i'm in some medical textbooks and stuff like that and it's a fun thing to trot out in front of new parents of like, yeah. oh, your baby's small, check this shit out. And they're like, what? Mm. Also, my grandmother threatened a doctor. I was the best part of my doctor said I was going to be small and have a thin chest. And my grandmother's a crazy English Quebecer. <laughs> and she told the doctor to get away from her grandson because he was putting a hex on me and didn't have the right attitude and refused to <laughs> let him near me. I've been alive for like half an hour and she's ki- and it's the middle of the night and she's kicking the doctor out and they had to go get another doctor because she was there. stood like, no, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. He's going to be the biggest, uh, gonna be person, a big, beautiful boy, biggest boy in my family. And I was, and to her dying day, wanted to go find that doctor. Like, we were in Toronto for a family thing and my mom was driving by the hospital I was born in. And my grandmother was like, pull up. I'm going inside to find that guy. And I was like, I remember I was like 10 or 11 being like, I don't think he'd remember. (laughs) Probably deals with a few babies. Maybe actually, you'd probably be one out of the box. He might not. Yeah, he might be. stuck in a lot of needles. Yeah, I looked fucking gross too. I was, you you know how some people have to be like, ooh, Mm. cute. Like I look at, I'm like, what the fuck was wrong with me? Yeah. What What do people say now? aged into your face (laughs) do you look at photos of you from your 20s because i think i lucked out in that we were both big boys in our 20s Mm. and that's a good thing in that so 
I have a variety of different looks throughout the year, so I don't have to think. Like, I have some friends that look at themselves in their 20s and, like, I fucked my whole body and face up with fun. And I'm like, ah, I've kind of, it's yeah, different it's looks got, every time, so it's all fine. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, I was, yeah, I was about 105 kilos in sort of my late teens, early 20s. Cheapers, creepers. I was pretty big, but I thought I was fine, but now I've, I'm like 90 now and I'm much healthier. And what was I? I look, I, I probably look younger now than I did when I was I have a bit of that 25. Because I, I had this, I don't look good doughy. I look way older when I'm doughier. Yeah. And often when you're doughy, you'll have full facial hair and that adds to the looking out i can't i could never grow i can't still grow facial hair i would oh i'd have the worst beard in the world if i could grow oh i'd be like all of the other comedians of just a yucky boy beard but i can't grow one what were you like as a child in uh, canada were you a good boy or a little bit of mischief a pretty good boy got into some mischief i was like mischief adjacent Mm, yeah i was that i would assume that with you yeah i was not ever involved in the mischief but i was like Fellas, I don't think this head is head and heart idea. in the right place. Yeah, but doesn't mind a little bit of a. I just want, I want to see what happens if we put a bunch of lighters <laughs> in this bonfire. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to do it. Yeah, I'll be a safe distance. <laughs> That's what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I also like it's cause my brother is 16, so I'm able to sort of from a far away. Right now, he's 16 right now. Wow, he was born born literally the hour I finished my final high school exam. There you go. Had another. My father had another son. Not necessarily the most well planned planned thing on his part, but he seems to be having a nice time. Um, but so I, um, I just see how different his childhood, his childhood, and like how school treats kids to mine. Like, and I assume Australia is similar to this, but like my school years, I was bullied so bad, and it was just basically institutionalized. Like, the teachers were like, that's what you get. Some kids are the bullies, some mm. kids are the bullied. And now it's like, if you bully anyone, you are... Susp- I, I talked to him, he's like, you're suspended for three days, and if you get caught again, you're expelled. And I'm wow. like, holy sh... What mm. a dream that would have been. So you were bullied about your reflexes? I was bullied about a bunch of stuff. It's just right. white people, man. I was, you, I was also huge. Big, yeah, big guy. So they were just like, they would call me fat, but I was like, I wasn't fat. I remember logically arguing with this someone when I was like six about this, and they were like, no, you are. I think that guy's dead now. No, he's alive, but one of my bullies <laughs> is dead, and that brings me extreme joy. <laughs> one of them is dead. One of them is in jail. Another one is a truck driver with a drinks problem which is real fun mm-hmm. and one of them is a psychologist and is actually a very nice man okay i think he was just having a rough time one out of four one out of four and you buddy sitting in edinburgh with good tell, buddy daniel connell talking talking broadcasting to australia <laughs> were you I, were you bullied or or just sort of you were, i picture you being neutral in high school yeah i didn't really uh go along to get along that's that's the daniel yeah, connell i had way. a few little run-ins with different yeah. people but nothing um Nothing crazy. My, I don't know. There's something about my. I'm sure there was bullying happening, but I just grew up in a really peaceful, quiet, laid back little town, and I was quite lucky. My dad was a footy coach. Oh. Of all boys that were older than me, so I knew. All when I was in the year seven, I knew all the kids in year twelve, and because I was mm. the ball boy, and yeah. and they all would look out for me and things, but not that they they had to look after me for any reason. But I just had this relationship with older kids, so I just. Um, it was, it, was, it was interesting, yeah. I never really came across it or even, like, remember, I couldn't even name a student in my classes that I think may have been bullied. Oh, my like God. Like, that, that, to that extent, yeah. But I, I know it 
it probably happened and I was probably just yeah ours was like because we were like all like into punk and then it was just there were so many yuppies it was a fucking it was once mm. it got to high school it was legitimately like a war in our grade yeah right between different factions it was crazy yeah what what were you in what was your crew we were the quote unquote called the skids and then we took it too far by buying bandanas and declaring ourselves a gang <laughs> uh and then as in skid skid row the band skid row yeah. correct mundo yeah an excellent band by the way mm. um and then it just got crazy and then like because also we were in the grade with the youngest brothers of all these giant families so there was like brothers in oh that's good all oh, the oh, other all the other grades and friends we, of yours or not no oh no yeah right so we literally had like i remember my buddy andrew jameson who's a fucking lunatic mm-hmm. just punched this kid brad right in the face <laughs> and then his like five no he only had two brothers but his brothers and then another kid's five brothers are like we're gonna get you after school yeah and andrew did not give a fuck and was like bring it on and then they all like attack. It like built to the whole point of one time there was going to be a fight after school, and I swear to God, and there were witnesses. This five hundred people were coming down the hill, <laughs> and then we ran into the woods and hid. <laughs> it was so nuts. That grade was crazy, and then a bunch of people ended up getting expelled from the school, and it just like all calmed down after that. And it was just like, oh, we can all all relax and get yeah. back to the important work of not doing math. Yeah. Now that you say that, I do remember older brothers coming into school and. There have been a few beatings and stuff oh, yeah. over the time, but I, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't really. It also feels like Australia is a bit more of a laid back vibe. Like, yeah, it's not. It's not until eighteen, leave school, testosterone out on like drinking. Really, that drinking culture for the first time that all the shit really hits the. Yeah, fan. like it seems like it's one of those things where you yeah. guys do your craziness. And now, like online, well, I never had any of that. Like, no. Online bullying and all that's taken over everything. That's I mean, everywhere. Imagine you don't kids know now. where this shit is coming from. That's the crazy thing. Mm. So I've got young nephews and niece, and I think that's the, oh. more than face-to-face bullying. I think the online stuff's the, what's taking over. It really concerns me having children because I don't know if, if I found out like my four-year-old came home and was like, this kid bullied me. It would take a lot of willpower to be like, what is his name? <laughs> Very good. And then just the next day. Does he have any older brothers or sisters? I would just take a bat to the kid. <laughs> just right as he goes into recess. What happened to Timmy? <laughs> oh, he fell down. <laughs> Didn't you, Timmy? Yeah. Like, I just, I got a big thing with bullying. It just yeah. bugs the shit out of me. Yeah. Like, I just, I'm like, oh, da, 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 not good with it. You're listening to Taking It Easy with Daniel Connell. Hey, before we go back to the podcast, I want to tell you about someone. That someone is Melbourne-based photographer Nicole Reid. One of the most sought-after photographers going around, Nicole has taken photos for all sorts of people. Comedians like Peter Hellyer and Anne Edmonds, musical acts like the Hilltop Hoods, and sports stars like Buddy Franklin. If you want to see how great her work is, I suggest you head over to her Instagram page. It's Nicole Reid Photographer. While you're at it, you may as well jump on her website, which is www.nicolereid.photography. Get in contact and book in a shoot today. Now let's get back to the podcast. Were you a smart child? Did the did the premature thing do anything? Half to and half. Like there's just certain things I can't comprehend right. even to this day. Like I'm, if you literally just tell me something like audio, mm. I will know it. But if you like write it out or explain it, I'm like, mm. I got no fucking idea what you're saying. And I had to like, I did a lot of like childhood psychology, like. That sort of stuff, those different mm. sort of learning pathways, 
all that sort of stuff was not put in special ed but had like special assistance you're right all the way through because you strike me as someone that's intelligent like the way you talk and your vocabulary mm. and stories you tell and things you re- recollect you, but, you come across as someone that's academically i would guess would have been it was quite, all right quite, like things quite, that i care about and once I got to university, then I was like, oh, this is, I actually really like school because it was right. like, oh, the four things I don't care about, I don't need to learn about. Mm-hmm. And I can, like, I would, I would, I don't know if I would pay, but I would go to history lectures now and I loved them so much because mm. it's just like, tell me more about, like, just even like Chinese, Japanese history of, of like the 19th century into the 20th century is so just like, and then that country went over and killed everybody mm-hmm. and then we don't know what happened for a minute. And then they, mm-hmm. like, it's just like, wait a minute. Yeah. Like it's just so fucking fascinating. That's one one lesson at school I wish I paid more attention in is history. And now, at, yeah, in my 30s now, I love it. Like I can't get enough of finding out. We we did a tour of Holyrood Palace the other oh, day. Oh, yeah. And, did you go to the yeah. Russian exhibit that was in Hollywood Palace? No, no. I went, my mom was here and I we went. It was fucking fascinating. Because mm. what no one talks about is by World War One, everyone that was fighting were fucking cousins. They were all progenitors or direct descendants from Queen Victoria to the point that the German Kaiser, I think, sent a message to England being like, oh, if only Auntie Victoria was alive, we could have sorted this out quietly. <laughs> like, it's fucking crazy. And all merging, like, and history also, infor- like, I love it because it also can tell you about what will happen next because mm. human beings are cyclical creatures. So we repeat this. Like, there's a huge amount of historians that when Trump, ran like the minute he announced a lot of historical academics were like he's gonna win Mm -hmm. because after any giant economic crash in any country you get that leader really like with and there there is a there's like a mathematical they've worked out it's about seven to ten years yeah you'll get the, the silver crash great depression the 1970s economic yeah crash i can't remember what it's called like all like Boom, boom, boom. Same thing in Britain. Australia doesn't follow it. Canada doesn't follow it. We're, mm. There's another one for our countries because we're a different type of economically structured nation because mm. we are so more, we're so much more regulated. Can't it, you're just like, holy fuck. It, so it just makes things a lot more easy to cope with because yeah. you're like, oh, we've been through this before and we've yeah. been fine. Yeah. And I see, I think now that he, he will most likely get elected again because as soon as he got in, he started planting the seeds straight away to be in again, and people and media already already caught on to it. So people are just assuming. Depends. America also does love every about twenty years, ten to twenty years, a one-term president, right? And he would be very much in line for that. Mm. I don't think he wants to win. Do you, do you understand how mind-numbingly hard that job is? <laughs> I think he likes it though. He doesn't look good. No. Especially after the G7, which I really enjoyed because fuck me did him and Boris get spanked on the bottoms by everybody <laughs> else. Um, but it's got to be, it's also like weird things you wouldn't think of. Imagine for the rest of your life, there's a guy at that doorway for the rest of your life that you do not get to say, can you fuck off? He goes, mm. no, I'm not legally allowed to, you can't be out of my sight mm. until you're in your one secured bedroom. Like, that would just be fucking irritating as shit. I want to go for a walk. No. But if he's getting you a drink out of the fridge, doesn't get you a, a sandwich. Out of the fridge, no. Secret Service doesn't do that. Oh. They're too busy fucking... I assume there's someone else getting him a drink out what of the fridge. What if you said, I sh- look, mate, I assume there's a sniper in the fridge while you're there. 
get me a can of drink. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just trying to figure out different ways to turn the secret yeah, service yeah, into a butler. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, I don't like the look of the guy who's at the car detailing place. Also, get the car detailing. <laughs> Why? Well, you might as well. You're there. Do some investigating. Yeah. Also, make sure they use a soft cotton <laughs> rag on the exterior when they're drying off the wax. Because they got to blot it. You don't want to wipe. Blot it. What Of all of the really super crazy rich person amenities, which one do you want the most? Oh. It's a good one, eh? It's very good. A cook. I go, yeah, I go butler. I want like an Alfred style butler. Oh, it'd be lovely. Just Love. like right now, just be like, like Alan, he wants it like a... Like a grapefruit salad, San Pellegrino, simple water for me. Can um, Alan is Alan a chef as well? Of course, he's Alfred. Okay, yeah, sh- shirts are ready. Oh, P- yeah, before a show, that that would be the pr- a nice pressed iron mm. shirt, very good. And he does that thing that like only rich people seem to have someone do, where they adjust the shoulder like that. Mm. And you're like, oh, thank you, Alan. Yeah, I do wonder though if you turn into a, a real jerk. Well, it depends. Like, yeah. it's one of those things where you realize those people, like especially now, butlers that do exist, they're so well compensated. I would feel really bad at a certain point. Like, there would be, like, I'd be like, I can just make my own toast. Just <laughs> yeah. fucking read the paper. It's fine. <laughs> Private jet. That's the one I would never do. I think it's the most nah, obnoxious silly. thing. Fly first class. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't see the point. It seems a little bit dangerous. A lot of lot of little private jets getting cleaning up musicians over the years, you know? Goddamn right. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to be... But I also don't like little air... I like a large yeah. room airplane. Yeah, yeah. And just being able to lie down. Oh. You don't get annoyed anyway. You, you, It's private enough anyway. I just need a little pod. Need a little pod. Even... I'll tell you what makes even going into no class better. If you're on there first. Mm. Just a nice leisurely stroll. Put the bag up. Yeah. <sighs> I do have to get extra leg room, though. Do you do that on long flights? I do now have to do that. Mm. Um, and I have occasionally not received it. Mm. And then there's some. There's a real ding-dong. Really? I have words. Oof. That's about as close as I get to the leisure. Yeah. Is paying for the extra leg room. When you finished school, did you study at university? I did. And what did you study? I studied theater and history. Okay. Didn't yeah. actually finish my history minor. I should have done yeah. that, but I didn't. And were you? Is this where you went through your big guy stage? Uh, I was big guy stage. Was I for some reason got really thin my last year of high school, and then became a big boy throughout my last year of high school, and then a real big boy in university. Mm. And then last year of university, I was went and worked at a summer camp in upstate New York, and they had a gym, and I just didn't feel healthy, and I was like aware of my body being huge for the first time, and I was like, "Fuck this," mm. and I just fucking started working out and eating properly and it just fucking fell off me really yeah what was your what was your your top weight you got to 340 pounds 340 pounds which is is that what the big show is in wrestling some rest i was bigger than a lot of wrestlers yeah so that's like i think that's about 150 kilos yeah it's crazy that's big yeah you are a tall guy but i wore it better than you would think but i was still huge yeah and what? How quickly did you get down to say a hundred? Because I was my lowest weight I've been ever as an adult was I was like one ninety two hundred, but I usually sort of have like right now I'm hovering around two twenty, mm. and I got down to about I got I lost a hundred pounds within a year. Jeez, 
and then I just sort of kept going, and then it would like fluctuate a little bit. Mm. But yeah, that's pretty impressive. And then before I moved to the UK, I was so stressed, and life was just so fucking chaotic. I was down to one ninety. Yeah, and I looked gross. Right, like you know, you're like, oh, that's too thin. <laughs> So after university, you came here? No, after university, I moved to... I stayed in Montreal where I went to university for two years and started comedy. And it was a very fun... Oh, so you, okay, so I didn't realize you started that early. Yeah, I started in 2006. Right. Um, so it was a very fun, vibrant scene and very interesting. But it was very limited. And I was just like, I got to go somewhere. I'll go to Toronto. So I did like two visits to Toronto and then moved to Toronto mm-hmm. and started there. And then... Things worked pretty good and went pretty well in there to the point that I was at Just for Laughs and I won the equivalent of Raw in Australia. Oh, yeah. Something called the Homegrown at JFL. And um, at that competition, people started being like, you got to get out of Canada. This place will make you bitter. It'll make you shitty. And so that February came to the UK for the first time for a month. Mm. And then I moved here in July of 2012, three days before the Olympics, and was here for six and a half, almost seven years. So, did you, do you have dual citizenship? No, because of your father. No visas every year. Right. And so I had the Commonwealth visa for two years, and then the regular old Bing Boy visa for mm. four years. So when you started in in Canada, yeah, dog. The scene in Canada is it comedy scene? Is it similar to Australia? Like in Australia, you can do. Uh, you know, you're starting the open mics around Melbourne, but you'll be running into people quite well known straight away. Yeah, it's very much very that. Si- yeah, same Although thing. Australia has done it better. Right. In that Australia has the festival, Australia has established people, there's a path in which you can stay in Australia. Mm-hmm. Canada doesn't, Canada does have that, but not. it's not as clear. And Canada really breeds bitterness very quickly. Can- Canadians in general have a huge chip on their shoulder about sort of life and how things have gone. It's very really? strange. Yeah, it bugs the shit that, out that of me. I never... That's yeah, not have, something you would really... In, yeah. in the same way that Australia doesn't have... Ex- internally has this reputation for sort of drunken, fighty, boozy mayhem. Mm. Well, externally has sort of a reputation for being like, the kind explorer, explorers at the other side of the world. <laughs> um, and that's sort of... Yeah, Canada has a lot of that. Because if you think about it, it's the ally of Britain that never revolted. It literally just asked in a letter can we be our own country and i was Mm. like yeah fine but like we didn't like it's just weird and it has this like weird sort of identity crisis over french and english and has an identity crisis over what type of country it's supposed to be and it's only you know it's 30 million people spread over a landmass almost the size of russia like there's no one fucking there Mm. and yet people act like they should have the same media and cultural opportunities as america that has 200 million people and all of this infrastructure it's just Mm. not the same it's just not the fucking same it's just very interesting that way so is it the public turning on people that are well known is it like that tall poppy singer or is it more it's more just the opportunity to get well known is very difficult because we're next to America so we get all the American TV Mm. as well as all of the Canadian broadcasting like it's weird I don't ever understand why they let that happen Mm. But yeah, you get all the American television stations and all the Canadian ones. So you just end up watching a shitload of American television. Yeah. And that's who your stars are. And do a lot of Canadians want to just move to, to America? or is it- Oh, it's more just in show business they want to or they want the success of an American not understanding what it actually takes and what they need to do. Mm. 
And also Canadian show business can be very like not understanding that people are struggling other places as well. Yeah. And that a lot of the opportunities in Can- Australia has this little bit, that a lot of the opportunities in their own actually home country are great. And that you're earning a living and that should be the success of a show business career. Mm, yeah. And you just need to chill the fuck out. Um, but that's the sort of thing. And so Canada breeds a lot of bitterness, which I think you also can see in Australia. There's a lot of bitter people in both of those places because they have a little bit of both countries have a little bit of the big or little brother syndrome yeah yeah and people don't necessarily actually leave to realize i got it pretty good here yeah yeah a lot of yeah a lot of aussie performers want to get to london or la thinking that that's where you need to explode yeah but i think that's all because we're 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 watching netflix and seeing all these big americans but it's yeah like you say it's totally different for them you know it's They've, they've grown up in that environment. Environment, yeah. If you notice, like most people that become famous are from LA because mm. they grew up there. Yeah. So you lived here in Edinburgh for seven years. No, I lived in London for seven years. Yeah, right. So if you went back to so uh, six years, really, but yeah. So you probably after that time, you're more of a a London comic than a Canadian comic Absolutely. because you only had a few years on the scene there. What is weird is, yeah, I was only in Canada for five years and then I was here for longer. What was weird was people in canada still thought i was a canadian comedian yeah so they would tell me like oh this guy's coming over can you i'm like i've never met that person in my life and they'd be like you have though and i was like no i haven't lit like i'd have to tell people i'm like i left canada in obama's first term (laughs) and they'd be like no you didn't i'd be like yeah i definitely did (laughs) i'd remember and what was the uh, london scene like for you Good. It was weird. It was crazy. Like, I literally came in. I came to the UK in Edinburgh of 2012, which was, the be- which was the beginning of the end of the end of the British comedy boom. So, like, they had so many more clubs in Britain then than they do now. Edinburgh was crazy bloated and crazy popular to go to. And then that year, they had the London Olympics. And the audience halved. Half the, the, fringe. Amount, half the amount of people showed up at the fringe in 2012 mm-hmm. than they did in 2011. And everyone freaked the fuck out. Mm -hmm. And no one talks about it. That that uh, that half of their audience never really is recovered. But like agencies weren't signing new people. No one was picking up anybody new. Clubs weren't taking new bookings because they all could see the writing on the wall that this was coming to an end. Mm. And things within a year like Jungles had shut and changed names. Just the Tonic had closed a bunch of its permanent venues. A bunch of clubs had shuttered. So I kind of got in like that's right when you yeah it literally as and it felt like they literally the drawbridge was going up and I slid down underneath <laughs> the gate like I felt the spike of the gate yeah kind of cut my top of my head as I got <laughs> in that would have given you flashbacks to goddamn right yeah. being a premature it didn't feel good <laughs> but it was great it was really fun and it was amazing sort of opportunity and made me better I did a bit too much traveling and focusing on getting on the road as opposed to being in London making contacts but yeah. I kind of, I'm not good at that, but I like doing stand-up, so I kind of just do the things I like doing. Mm. And it was amazing. I essentially got paid to see the world and did not have to join the army. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. And you kept coming back to Edinburgh every year? Every year. Every year since then, you've been back here. Yeah. And have you been noticing getting a good following up Really here? slowly, but yeah, it's very weird. Like, it's slowly been turning over and turning over and turning over. And yeah. You slowly have to get better and better. And, like, get used to it and stuff like that, like... Just realize you're like, oh, doing something well takes a long time to even get close to competent at. Yeah. 
And like you could come, yeah, like you say, you've been coming here for six or seven years. No, this is my eighth year. Eighth, right. So you were still a, a good comedian, but you go to another level at some point, don't you? Yeah. And, and maybe only the last two or three years is where people have really started to that's notice what, That's exactly. Also, going to Australia has really helped because I find Australia such an interest. That, that festival circuit is so wonderful mm. and such a great way to build and hone and work on material and confidence because Australians do have this thing, especially in Melbourne, where they do this, they do two, one thing that I, drives me fucking crazy about Australian <laughs> people, which we discussed on Roadshow. Which I don't know if you remember, which is they always like to tell, they like to come up to everyone and let you know who was the funniest. Oh, love doing that. It's the yeah. most Australian it's, it's move. A comp- it's a competition. Everything's a competition. It's fucking insane that. But the other thing that they'll do is if they do like you, they will like seek you out and like. Yeah. Great stuff, mate. Mate, I got walked to an old woman in a Coles. Mate. So you on the gala? <laughs> Where you fucking playing? Just over there, miss. Huh? If I can see you. Sure. Okay. Uh, and you're based in LA now. Certainly am. How long have you been based in LA for? About a year. Didn't what? have a home from November of 2017 to October of 2018. Just out of the suitcase. Out of the suitcase. Around. Never going to do it again. Right. I think you remember you telling me that that you didn't have a home. Didn't have a home. And I laughed. Everyone did. And it was, I'm (laughs) so happy I did it once to say I did it and I know that experience. I have friends that do it year round. Yeah. I don't know how. I remember being in this flat this time last year and being so sad of like, this is the first place I've felt at home in six (laughs) months. Shit. No, it would have been longer, eight months. And I was like, I now have to go to fucking LA and find an apartment. Mm. Fuck me dead. Yeah. But you have, and you've been there for 12 months. I have. It's great. I have a pool on the roof. The dream. Ooh, that's the dream of every Canadian person. Can you see the Hollywood sign? I cannot see the Hollywood sign, but you can see the lovely Malibu Hills. Mm, That's nice. I'd rather see a hill than a sign. Fair enough. Uh, And if you squint, you could technically see the ocean if you just go, well, those buildings have to move, but that's where (laughs) the ocean is. Uh, how How do you like LA? I'm always curious uh, i really needed a place to go sit down for a while and that was mm. very good for that and it's been interesting in learning a different side of the business and i found it creatively stimulating because it was like sometimes you have one spot mm. in f- seven days so you need to learn how to do things like sit down and write yeah. and just hone that way it's a tough thing to do because you know you had a little bit of time in canada then seven years over this way, UK, yeah, and then going there, it's kind of you're kind of starting back again, yeah, at the base. But you're at a at a period in your career where you you're kicking goals in festivals and people are starting to get to know who you are. How is that then going back to a? a it's scene good, man. It's, keep, it's keeping it in check. It is also there is a thing that no one is that I'm starting to notice is the festivals everywhere are getting a lot of attention from the Americans. Really? Huge. There's so many Americans here this year. Like the And even the Australian festivals? Australian festivals as well. I've cuz I've had them brought I've gotten into a lot of meetings because people have said he actually has done these and knows what he's talking about. So I've gotten yeah. a little bit what is called brain raiding or the much more politically incorrect term which I find very offensive, brain raping, mm. where people will bring you in for the idea of interview yeah. for a potential client representation and actually just trying to get that information out of you. Uh, because all of those sort of things, the world's so fucking small. Mm. So everyone can see who's doing well in all of those things and they're keeping an eye on them. So you just kind of mm. keep 
going from there. And and do you feel like you're getting your foot because you wouldn't have been, spent that much time there in the last? Year. I have feel like I feel like I have a toehold for clubs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and people are starting to sort of get to know who I am, um, which is really nice. And it seems like I'm my I'm put it on very solid ground over here, so it's easy to sort of pop back and forth. Mm. Thank God. Uh, what about for places to live? London, LA, LA weather. You can't Canada. beat LA weather, right? I would live in Toronto in a heartbeat. Mm. It's just a bit difficult to navigate a show business career. That Mm. would be like basically saying, for the rest of my life, I'll be on the road. Yeah, yeah. And I would like to slowly move towards not. I I must say, LA is is an odd to base yourself when when you want to do Australian festivals in here. There's not many people that are based in... LA, no, but it, for especially if you're going to do Australia, LA is not the worst place to be based at because it's the, it's only one flight as opposed to everywhere else. Yeah, it's two. Yeah, direct flight here, and the thing is, is that it's cheap as fuck mm. to live. Like that's the thing. Is it LA? Yeah, like you because because <laughs> London's expensive. Is bullshit. Yeah. yeah, it's getting cheaper now because of Brexit. <laughs> but the thing with also with LA is everyone thinks of it as this glitzy, glamorous. Beverly Hills. That's not what it is. It's a giant working class factory town. It's just one of the industries that makes it's show business. Mm. But it's literally like it's like the equivalent of like Charters Towers or one of those little shit kicker towns we went to on Roadshow. Of like, right. I didn't go to Charters Towers with you. Did you not go? You're not, but all towns in Australia are beautiful. You can't be. I mean, made, that's you'll never get back into the town. That's very much not true. <laughs> where did we go? We went to some. We we, we went to where we jumped in that pool. We went to Ballina. We did go to Ballina. And all up mid-north coast, New South Wales, north coast and into Queensland, remember? We were mostly in Queensland and I've never seen you so more happy in my life than when we got back into New South Wales. (laughs) And you declared quite arrogantly, tonight's show will be better because we're in New South Wales and he was 100% right. (laughs) Proud New South Welshman, mate. Um, I thought you were weirdly from, but you're from outside Canberra, but Canberra is technically not in any state. It's its own thing. ACT, Australian Capital Territory, is, is its own territory, yeah, which is just another. And then that's all inside New South Wales, basically. So it is New South Wales, but it doesn't want... You, no, but it's called the ACT. You got to give, you gotta give yeah. it credit to the others, but you all, yes. everyone knows what side their bread is buttered on. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Have you run into any celebrities in... Quite a few. Yeah? Who's the biggest name? Have you seen Alanis sniffing around? I have not seen Alanis. I would walk up and say I'm from Ottawa and I know your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, who's the biggest one? There's a few. The woman who's in Shameless. I've seen her eating lunch like four times. You, I said, have you seen some I'm not doing You said, I've seen some pretty big ones. I have, but I'm not doing... I'm not going... You're the lady that... I'm start, starting low rung. Know what I'm starting she, low rung and we're moving up the list. Uh, okay. Her... Because uh, what's weird also about LA is that they just live in neighborhoods, so you'll just see them doing. You see celebrities just running errands. Yeah, and it's kind of like, come on, gotta be cool. Yeah, <laughs> David Spade, I've seen a lot. Okay, Bridget Nielsen, who was Ivan Drago's wife in Rocky Four, <laughs> seen loads of times. Uh, I saw Craig Ferguson in his house because I did his radio show. Okay. Um. He, I then also figured out where Brad Pitt lived. Ooh, that's it. Now we're talking. Because it's Brad Pitt, and it was, I don't think it's him and Angelina's house, but it's on the same road. Because mm. it was only that I said to someone, I was on Craig, for, I was at Craig Furst's house, and he's like, oh, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt are his neighbors. 
and there were only two other houses on the like st- area and i was yeah. like well i now know where they live cool is he in a gated community no not just it's just on a road just on a you road. wouldn't know you wouldn't know the houses in that area are that nice because they're all designed into like basically va- like little valleys ah, okay so it all just looks like little garages yeah pits the pits we're getting up there now with pit any any bigger than that? You can't get much bigger, really. Uh, no, no, have a go. And I only saw Pitt's house. I haven't actually seen Pitt. Oh, okay. Just saw his house. Um, who else? I've seen someone else. I can't fucking think. You see, like a lot of random like B and C level guys, especially mm. at comedy clubs. Yeah. Oh boy, do you see some? Yeah. Absolute sad man. <laughs> <laughs> do you, get, do you get much? Uh, you get many people coming up, like in Australia. In the supermarket saying, saw you on this or saw you at... One this. person once said, I saw you at the Ice House in Pasadena. And he said it was all right. Enjoy your hummus. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, mate, that brings us to the end of a fantastic chat today. It was a lovely chat. It was also, we didn't really see each other this month. So it was a nice time to... Just to catch up. Just stare in each other's eyes. Yeah. It's well, always nice. I was on totally different sleep patterns to you. Oh, yeah. Mm. I would wake up and Carl was halfway through his day. <laughs> and I would literally sit in the gray chair in this lounge and drink a cup of coffee and essentially have him tell me about what the morning is. <laughs> well, yes. Thanks very much for taking it easy with me today. It's a great. This is a, you're, you're a very good host. Oh, thanks. You've got a good vibe. Thanks, mate. Hey, thanks very much for listening. If you enjoyed that and you'd like to get around John, you can get around him on Instagram and Twitter at the John Hastings, and he's also got a website, thejohnhastings.com. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends, tell them to get around it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If they go via Apple Podcasts, subscribe, give it a like or a rating, it'd be much appreciated. Also, you can check it out on my website, danielconnell.com.au. On all three of those platforms, there's plenty of other episodes from previous guests. Have a listen to those as well. Um, While you're on my website, danielconnell.com.au, check out my gigs page for all upcoming live shows. I've also got some videos on there if you want to check those out. And if you're in a liking mood, you can check out my Instagram and Facebook pages, which is uh, Daniel Connell Comedy. Give those a like and follow and keep up to date with what's going on. That is about all. Thanks very much for listening this week and take it easy.